That hand clap and that shout was to welcome me. I want us to give a louder clap and a louder shout to the King of Kings, to the King of Glory. Amen. Amen. For those of you that just finished the Wasi, you are welcome home. We are happy to have you home. But I want you to know that there is work to do. Right now, you have free time. So it's me versus you in this house. Amen. And, and, and the BEC candidates. You will do well. There is grace for you. I pray for you this morning that the grace of God that carried me throughout my academic life and still carries me, may that same grace locate you. Amen. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory
great inheritance. We thank you for your grace that strengthens us. We thank you for your word. But Father, we thank you that the end that you have in mind for us is your glory. We thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, I have a lot to talk about. I have very little time, so I'll race through it. If you can stay for second service, I'll implore you to stay. But I'll be racing a bit. We'll be reading a lot of scripture. But this morning, last week, some of last week was an exciting message. You heard about grace. You heard about all those things. This morning, I don't think it's too exciting. When I see this, uh, the, the 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 people that if you come for Monday meetings, they are they are used to this kind of preaching I'm about to preach today. I don't preach nice messages. I don't teach nice messages. Uh, so this morning, the title of the message is "Dead Men Living." Dead men living. It sounds oxymoronic, right? Dead man, but he's living. So, dead men living. I have to lay a very huge foundation. I pray that I'm able to do it. By the time I finish the foundation, maybe time is up. But we'll do that as God gives us grace. Colossians chapter 1, 13 to 29. Colossians chapter 1, 13 to 29. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. I still hear rustling of Bible pages. Are we in Colossians? It's in the New Testament. It's in the New Testament. If you are there, say hallelujah. All right. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and converted us into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. If the Bible is yours, underline firstborn over all creation. That's if the Bible is yours. For by him, all things were, were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. If the Bible is just underlined the firstborn from the dead. We see a transition from firstborn. Then we are told where he was born from, the dead. In that, it, that in him, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. All this part that I've read to you is just last week's message. Which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Bethlehem Mensah, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ 
for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages, from all generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30. If you don't like reading Bible, then don't come to church. Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these also he called. And whom he called, these also he justified. And whom he justified, these also he glorified. Amen. So, when we read the Colossians chapter 1, from verse 13 to 29, we see Paul outlining a certain mystery. He says that from the beginning of time, God has been at work. Because at the fall of man, everything was separated from God. God, creator of the universe, made the earth, made man in his image and his likeness. And he put man in charge of all things. So man became the legal custodian of the earth. Then we, we know the story of the fall, ABC classes. Man sinned, man fell, man lost the authority over the earth to the devil. Because whom you obey, the person's servant you become. That's what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6. Whomever you obey, the person's servant you become. Those of you obeying your mobile phones, you are slaves to the phone. It's a wawuzi it's, it's, it's a biblical law. So God is at work. The Bible tells us that God is, 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 is engaging in a, a certain mysterious work. It's called the, the work of reconciliation. And God is reconciling everything back to himself. But there is a central figure and a central point in which everything converges, which is Christ. So the earth, everything that has been lost is being placed in Christ. But the Bible tells us that the, 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 the mysterious part of this mystery is that now the central point of convergence can dwell in a man. And he says that this is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we read the Romans chapter 8 scripture, it tells us that the end goal of God picking a man and saving him is to glorify him. I hope you're getting me. For them that he foreknew, he predestined that they might be conformed to the image of his son. Moreover, those he foreknew, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. And them that he justified, he glorified. The two verses are the expression of the same thought. Two expressions of the same thought. So he said that for them that he foreknew, he predestined that they might be conformed to the image of his son. Right? That is, that is a concise version. A summary. Then he comes to the verse 30 and he opens up the summary. He says that for them, so he talks about predestined and he says, moreover, 
the people that they are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He says, moreover, these ones, when I predestined them, I called them. And when I called them, I justified them. You were justified by faith. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have obtained peace with God, wherein we stand. So, them that he justified, he also glorified. So, the end goal is that God will glorify you. That's the end goal of every man. That God is calling us to a place of glory. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, According as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, in the knowledge of him who has called us into a life of glory, and virtue. So that is the life that God has called us to. But Paul is telling us that there is a mystery. And this mystery is that Christ in you is the hope of glory. This is the reason. Christ is not just a normal man. You see, when man was created, man, Romans chapter 3 verse 23, we all know the scripture. For all have sinned, and are falling short of the glory of God. That means when we were created, we were walking in glory. When we sinned, we felt, we not only did we lose our relationship with God, we lost our glory. You see, if you read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about the glories of different bodies, the glory of the sun, the glory of the stars, the glory of the moons, right? But when you look at the glory of the sun and the glory of the moon, there are two different glories. The sun has a higher glory, but the moon has a derivative glory, meaning that the moon's glory is derived from the sun. And man was created like the moon, that our glory is derived from God. So when, when man was created in the image and the likeness of God, you see, it is not stated explicitly, but when you look at the image and the likeness of God, what God was telling us that I made you in my glory, I hope you are getting me. We are laying the foundation. So, so when man lost, when man sinned, we lost the God nature. So when we sinned, the God nature that we lost, we lost our access to glory. When we were in the realm of glory, we didn't know what clothes were. We didn't know what sin was. We didn't know what struggles were. Well, when the realm of glory, Adam would walk on the water and he's standing on the water and he's naming the fishes. How do you think Adam named all these creatures? He was standing on the water, naming the fish. He was moving in a realm of glory, but then he fell. And when he fell, he lost that glory. But if God is reconciling us, that means we need to get to a place that we once were. So, Christ is not a normal individual. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, so, so number one, the mystery is the mystery of glory. God wants to glorify us. Number two is that Christ is the glory of God. Christ is the glory of God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible tells us God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke unto the fathers by the prophets, but as in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Verse 3, who is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. In Colossians chapter 2, the Bible tells us, Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, the Bible tells us that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him. So in Christ dwells the fullness of God. The full image of God. He is the brightness of God's glory. 
when, when, when you put, I'm not sure some of you, know, do you know the clear camera? You take, then you wind, 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 wind. How many of you met that camera? You put, you came to me digital camera. Those ones you take, then you, then to lock, then you take another one. Then you take the negatives to the photo studio. Then when you take the negatives to the photo studio, they'll use the negatives to come out to the actual picture. So Christ is the actual. You see, oh, in the Bible we see we see the negatives. We see an, a, a certain picture of God. We do not see the full glory being manifest. But when Christ came, the Bible says, "For no longer do we see dimly. We do not see in types and shadows. Now He is the fullness of God's glory." And Paul is saying that there is a dimension of the message where the fullness of God's glory, which is in Christ, dwells in us. And he says, now Christ in you is the hope of glory. Right? So I think my foundation is solid. So we, we know the end goal, right? The end goal is that God has called us. God wants to glorify us. Amen? But we also see something. We see that there is a transition in the work, in the person of Jesus Christ, his relationship with the Father, as he works out our transition into glory. When he, when he came, the Bible says, for no one has seen the Father except Jesus, the, one, the only begotten who proceeds from the bosom of the Father. So when he came onto the scene, he was the only begotten Son of God. Sometimes we quote this scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. But we don't understand what the only begotten means. How many of you understand what it means? The, you see, God created a lot. All of us are creations of God, right? But when it comes to sonship, there is only one that came from God directly. And that is Jesus Christ. He proceeds from God. The Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. Direct. So, he was the only begotten of the Father. But in the, in the process of winning us and bringing us to glory, he transitioned from the only begotten, then he became the firstborn. The Bible says that he might become what the firstborn among many brethren. So, he has, he has abdicated his position as only begotten. Come to a place of firstborn so that you and I can become his siblings. But why is he the firstborn from the womb from which he was born is the grave. The Bible says he, he was not born the firstborn from Mary's womb. From Mary's womb, he came as the only begotten. From the grave, he became the firstborn. He is the, he is the firstborn from the dead. So we see that there is a certain mystery in death that God wants to reveal to us. In, in John chapter 20, I'm moving from my introduction now, is the, what we call the journey through death. We are doing three sets of Bible study today. We have finished the first one. The next one is journey through death. In John chapter 12, the verse number 20, the Bible says, And there came some Greek men to Philip of Bethsaida, saying, We wish to see Jesus. And the Bible said, then Philip moved to, is it Nathaniel or Andrew? Let me just read this for my, it's plus low. 
I was expecting that they put it up by now. Yeah, 22. Then Philip came and tell Andrew. And Andrew and, and Philip again went to tell Jesus. Let's move on. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So the end goal of us is glory. Right? And Jesus, the Bible tells us, He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So if we want to know what our end is looking like, what the journey would look like, we have to look at Jesus. And it says, the time has come for the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So, when Jesus was walking on the surface of the earth, he was the Son of God. But he hadn't been glorified. It says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Then he gives us the method. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. You see, when, sometimes when we read the Bible, see, if you're a disciple of Jesus, I'm sure you'll be frustrated. You will be seriously frustrated. What was the request that they came to Jesus with? They came to Jesus. Jesus, some people are looking for you. How has, the, verily, verily, I say unto you, except, how does it go to do? They are looking for you. It's either, oh, I'll see them, let them come, or let them go away, I'm busy. That is the simple answer. <laughs> <laughs> but he says verily verily I say unto you because you see they were coming to see Christ but Jesus was telling them that whilst I am alive you will meet only one Christ one locally bound Christ in one vicinity one locality at every point in time but there is coming a time where Christ will spread Christ will be glorified Christ will be seen in every man but the point that I will pass through to glory. He says, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He says, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. So until Jesus Christ died, he was the only begotten. When he died and he came back, he became the firstborn. So in this, he is revealing the journey to our glory. And it is the journey to the grave. All of us must die. Uh, that is why I came to tell you the title is Dead Men Living Galatians 2.20 Paul says I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live he says I'm dead but I'm alive but he has your war zombies I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you are going to be glorified, he has called you to death. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, you know the end. He says, if you come after me, you have been called. When you come, I will justify you. I will glorify you. But there is a journey and you pass through the grave. If any man will come after me, Luke chapter 9 verse 23, let him deny self, take up his cross daily. And follow me. You see, one of the things that we forget, whenever you read the Bible and try to know what it meant to the people who heard it immediately. When we think about the cross today, we think about salvation. We think about redemption. We think about freedom from sin. But when Jesus said, As you take up your cross and follow me, the people who heard it, it didn't mean that to them. Because as Jesus was speaking, the cross was a symbol of fear. It was a symbol of disgrace. It was a symbol of death. 
The cross was, was, was started by the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians started by impaling. How many of you have watched Dracula before? Dracula, the movie, Vlad the Impaler. That was his, his nickname at the beginning, Vlad the Impaler. When he kills you, he passes a stick through you. Then they hang you. That's impaling. And, and, and crucifixion started with impaling. Then the Greeks came and modified it. And the Romans came and perfected it. When the Romans came, they perfected the crucifixion. So what they do is that they will hang you on the cross, then they will break the, the bones in your thighs, your femur. Because when you are hanging on the cross, you need to support yourself. Other than that, after the beatings and the rest, you drown in your own blood because you are bleeding. So they break your bones so that you can't support yourself. So when Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. It isn't the cross that is on your neck that he was talking about. When the people heard it, they were offended. Because, ah, which, which journey? When are we going that we have to die? And he says, take up your cross daily. Each morning. When you're going to bed, you lay it. When you wake up, you pick it up again. Yeah, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I die daily. How often do you die? <laughs> Some of you, since the day you got born again, you have not died. So the reason why you are, you are tarrying in experiencing the glory of God is because you are too alive for him. You are, you are too alive. We, we must be dead men. This is how no, I receive it. Eh? No, I receive it. We, we, we must be dead men. You see, death. Death. We are come to do biology. Death is the cessation of all biological activities that support life. So, so do, do you know when a baby is in the mother's womb, it is alive in the womb but is dead in this world? Right? Because in this world, the, 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 the biological activities that support life are different from the biological activities that support life in the womb. So, in the womb, the baby, human beings, we breathe in oxygen, right? The baby needs oxygen, but it doesn't breathe through the lungs. Because the baby's lungs is filled with amniotic fluid. But you, if I fill your lungs with fluid, you drown. But the baby is living in a different world. So, death is not only the cessation of life, death is a transition. So, when the baby is born, it's born into this world, but it's dead to the womb. Because the biological activities that support life in the womb will no longer support it in this, in this realm of existence. Let me give you another case, case point. So, when, when Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 verse 19, he says, I through the law died unto the law that I may live unto God. So he says, there was a death that occurred. But that death did not end my life. That death became a transition point to a higher life. So I died to the law that I may live unto God. When we were in sin, we were alive in sin. Death unto God. When we become born again, we are alive to God and supposed to die to sin. So death is always a transition. 
hope you are getting me. When the more we die to the things of this world, the more alive we become to the things of God. And the more alive we are in God's hands, then we are experiencing the realm of glory. Because Christ in you, the hope of glory, that expression means that when you accept Christ, you have the seed level. But now there needs to be a fullness of the expression of the Christ in you. You see, what are some of the characteristics of a dead man? There's what they call rigor mortis. Right? Rigor mortis is when the, the body becomes stiff and cannot move. So the body does not respond to external stimuli. When you, when you touch a dead man, he's there. Some of us, the world has too much influence on us. We must get to the point where we are experiencing rigor mortis. When it comes to the affairs of this world, when they touch you, you do not move. When, 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 when they release their fashion trends, it doesn't touch you because you are dead to the things of the world. When they, when they brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, bow, and you enter the fire. They said, king, oh, king, live forever. They didn't curse the king. They said, oh, king, live forever. So this is not an issue to be debated. We died before we came here. Oh, we, we died before we came here. He says, even if God, see, some people have tried to twist the scripture saying that they didn't say God will not save them. No, they said that even if God does not come. You see, they have gotten to the point where you, we are dead. What you are doing doesn't move us. Uh, have you seen a hungry dead man before? No, no appetite. So, it's not our, our, our flesh that is dictating to us. We are dead men. Then when they tossed them into the fire, they said they, they appeared one as the image of the Son of God. And he appeared. And when he appeared, he appeared in the full glory of God. So when they came out of the fire, they sent them in bound. They tied their arms. But when the glory of God came, they walked out of the fire and they were instantly promoted. Eh? So we need to become insensitive. Another characteristic of death eh, is that your heart, your heart stops beating. It's called cardiac arrest. The heart has stopped. So there's no pulse. Eh? Some of us, our heart, the thing that our heart loves, is nothing that relates to God. We love our boyfriends. We love our mobile phones. We love the flesh. We love sleeping. See, if, if you're, you're a young person and you love sleeping, you'll be poor. It is, it, is, it is a prophecy in scripture, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of arms to rest, and your poverty. Some of you, you, you love sleep. You love sleep. You, you, your, your, your heart, your heart, where your heart is, your heart is beating for the things of the world. The Bible says, love not the world. Not the things in this world. The last of the eyes. You see, you see the cars, then your heart is like, this is what my heart wants. In this shall my heart be glorified and satisfied. But the Bible says, set your heart, set your heart, set your mind on things above. What, what, what causes your heart to beat? 
We are dead to this world. We are dead. A friend of mine, we have a, uh, a term that we use against, we use for each other. When I meet him, I call Togbonyo. Then he responds, Togbonyo shake a clabe. What it means is that when you say Togbonyo, it means dead goat. Then he respond, it's not afraid of the knife. A dead goat will not see a knife and bleed. It's dead. And that is the life that God has called us to. Some of you, you face small persecution. Go and, go and win souls. Go and do evangelism. You are afraid of what people will say to you. You are, you are not dead. You are alive. To, to be able to be used by God, you must die. Do you know why God gave Abraham Isaac at the age of 100? He wanted to kill Abraham. The Bible says he considered not the deadness of his body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. So at the time the baby came, Abraham and Isaac, biologically speaking, when it comes to giving birth, they were dead. <laughs> they were dead. So when the, when the baby came and the glory of the baby came, God said, yes, it is just me. It's just me. And God is waiting to kill you. But this time, he says that you take up the instrument of death. He's waiting for you to pick up the instrument of death. Which is the cross. Pick up the cross and follow him. Pick up the cross and follow him. Jesus is calling us to pick up the cross and follow him. We say, let's go and win souls. You see, when it comes to winning souls, there are three words that you must learn. One is called anakazo. Go and compel people to come in. One is called <laughs> biazo. Compulsory salvation. And there's anadeya, shamelessness. Anadeya, where you are shameless. We go. They sack us. I'm here again. They sack you. I'm here again. Be, be, you're like, hey, Uncle Leonard, they'll be making fun of us. I'm a dead man. What has fans got to do with a dead man? What are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? Yeah. If we bring a dead man here and, and all of you say you list his achievements, the most you can do is clap, but he will not hear the clap. He will not hear the applause. He cannot respond to it. Some of you, the reason why you want God to use you in ministry, but he's not using you is you are alive. So when they clap for you, you stop and clap and, and receive the, the praise. But when you are dead and they clap, it all goes to God. Then he said, okay, this man is ready for use. God wants to glorify you. But he says, my son, first of all, you need to die. You must die. You see, and when we die, I told you death is a transition. So we are alive in this world, dead to God. Baby, alive in the womb, dead to this world. Dead in the womb, alive in this world. But you see, when a baby is born, the physical features of a baby are, are determined by what we call its phenotype. Right? Genetics. Basic genetics. So the, 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 the physical features of the baby are determined by its phenotype. Each human being has 23 pairs of chromosomes. And, and, and the, 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 if you have 24, that is when people get Down syndrome. But if you have the normal 23, your physical features are determined by the, which, which gene is dominant and which one is recessive. Right? So when, when, if you look at me, my height, my height is the, 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 is the gene, the dominant gene for my father's side because my mother's side predominantly they are short. If you look at the, the, my nose, my nose 
is my father's side. My teeth and my eyes is from my, is from my mother's side. My mother's side, they have small teeth, small tiny teeth. There's no gaps in the teeth. So I don't have any gaps in my teeth, very tiny. I struggle to use toothpicks. So I, I have those features from my, my, my mother's side. This beard that I carry is not from my father's side. My father's side, their beard growth pattern is different. This beard is from my mother's side. My mother, my mother is a, a woman, but she, she, she still has a, a certain level of dominance when it comes to beard growth. So my mother grows beard, but she has to shave it regularly. For those of you that have those, don't go and say that I was supposed to be a man, so I'm going to do transgender, you're a fool. That is not what the Bible says. My mother, my mother shaves regularly. It doesn't make her any less of a woman. She's a woman. God made her a woman. Same way, when we we're born again, in our sinful nature, the dominant genes in us were the Adamic nature. Right? But when the Bible says that put to death, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, for if by the Spirit we put to death the things of the flesh, then we shall live. So when we put to death the things of the flesh, what we are doing is that we are calling the attribute of Christ, the second Adam, to become the dominant genes in our phenotype. So, so when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he walked the streets of Galilee on his mother's side. But mind you, the father of Jesus was not Joseph. The father of Jesus was the Holy Spirit, was God. So on his father's side, he walked on water. On, 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 on his mother's side, he was eating bread. On his father's side, he was multiplying bread. So when, when we are walking in this world and Christ has called us to die to the flesh, it is because he is expecting you to move from the Adamic nature and start walking in the, in the heavenly nature. This morning, I came to invite you to death. This morning, I came to invite you. It is called mass suicide. I cannot kill you. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, if any man will come after me, step number one, deny self. Deny self. Some of you, you are too, you are at, at a young age, you have become used to prosperity messages. You want, you want come and put this on the altar. You have turned, you have turned church into casino. So you come and put something on the altar. Then you are expecting it in your account. You come and put something here. Then you are expecting it. The Bible tells us, I was telling Uncle Dennis earlier, one of the scriptures I live by now. Philippians chapter 1 verse 28 he says unto you it has been given on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake some of you you cannot suffer the Bible tells us how we should respond to suffering he says rejoice you see it doesn't make sense but it makes sense to them that are dead he says rejoice Rejoice. He says, when they, 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 you, are, you, are you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, rejoice. For, for so did they, the prophets. Those that have gone ahead of you, they, they died to this world. 
They died to the flesh. Why were they dying? Because the Bible says they were looking forward to a land, a place whose author and architect was God. We are looking forward to a land. We are looking forward to a life whose architect is God. We are looking forward to a life where we are moved from our Adamic nature and we are walking in the realm of glory. We are walking in the realm of power. We are walking in the realm of the existence that God has set up for us. And the journey will take you to the grave. This morning, are you ready to die? It's a simple question. Because Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. You see, the, 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 the Adamic nature and your old nature, it doesn't understand negotiation. Right? The old nature doesn't understand negotiation. You have negotiated with it before. Oh, uh, when the boy comes this time, we'll not have sex, we'll only kiss. We'll only kiss and touch. We'll not have sex. But when you, when you started, the Adamic nature showed you that I am the boss. Showed that I am the dominant gene. Uh, you, you negotiated with the Adamic nature and said, oh, I will not steal. Okay, you, let me stop the stealing small, small. So I'll stop taking the 50 and the 20. We'll start with 10 and, and 5 CD notes. But, but before you realize now, you have started taking bundles. Why? Because the, the, the Adamic nature, once it is there and it has not been put to death, it will always be dominant. It, the Adamic, you see, we have two, two genes competing for expression in our, in our lives and all of them are dominant. There's, all of them are dominant. No one wants to be recessive. The only way one can become recessive is to die. You see, it is, it is more like in the, in the, in the per, chromosomal pairs, right? The one that determines your sex, whether you're a man or a woman, is the 23rd pair. And the 23rd pair, if you're a guy and you're bald, or you're growing bald, it is your mother's fault. I'm telling you straight away. Go... Boldness is, is an effect of the 23rd chromosome. And this is how the 23rd chromosome works. The 23rd chromosome is such that it's such that it's X. If you're a lady, it's XX. If you're a guy, it is XY. And the Y chromosome is depleted. It's a little bit short. It's shorter than the, the X chromosome. So whenever an, a Y chromosome pairs with an X chromosome, all the features on the X become dominant. I hope you are getting me. Same way, you have to intentionally kill the Adamic nature and make it a Y chromosome so that all the, 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 the features on the chromosome of the second Adam, which is Christ, become dominant in your life. And that is what God is calling you to. When Christ says that if you come after me, take up the cross, take it up, pick it up. Don't, it's not an issue. When you wake up in the morning, you pick up the cross. Father, today, how do we die to you? Then he says that go out and go and win souls. Father, it is difficult. He says, are you dead or are you alive? He says, okay, I understand. Then we go out, then we go and win souls. I remember the first time I went to stand at Mecca Road and I was preaching. Charlie, you saw people coming. People are looking at you strange. Every morning, I woke up with panic attacks. Every morning. I'm not lying to you. Every morning, I woke up with panic, panic attacks. Every morning, I woke up with fear. There were some mornings that because of going to preach in the morning, I had running stomach because I was... It's serious, oh. I was afraid of the faces of the people because I was alive. Then God taught me this thing. He says, Bethany, your problem 
is that you are too alive. I want to mold you, but I have to kill you first. I have to kill you. Avail yourself to die. And then I said, Father, my life is in your hands. Kill me. Then, then God murdered the Adamic, Adamic nature in me. So I became immune to criticism. I became immune to applause. I'll be preaching. Somebody will come and tell me, eh, poop, crowada. Then I'll pause. I'll look at him and I'll continue the message. You'll be preaching. You go to, you go to class in the morning. The lecturer says, hey, you came to school to go and preach, eh? Get out of my class. Go and continue preaching. Then we'll go and continue. <laughs> it's not because... See, there, were days where, there have been days where I have, I have been stopped by the police. My insurance papers had died on the car. The police officer said, pay 10 CD and I'll let you go. A man alive in his Adamic nature will take the short way out. The, a man dead to this world says that I'm not afraid of the consequences. I'll do the right thing. They kept me in counterback. A full day. Okay. I refused to pay 10 cities. It's not that I didn't have it. I had it in my wallet. But I was dead to this world. You are sitting in an examination room. BC, I'm come to you. You are sitting in an examination room. Everybody is cheating. They, they, see, I, I told I told the stories to the intercessors some time back. When I, was, when I was in third year, I was writing one of the most difficult papers I've ever written. Organometallic compounds. It's inorganic chemistry. Why are you doing organoborines? And hydroborine, B6, H6B6, that's, that element alone has 26 different structures. 26 different appearances. And you have to memorize it and be able to draw it. We we're, were, were sitting in the exam room. Everybody was cheating. Hey, everybody was cheating. From the uh, Chemistry Christian Fellowship president. <laughs> oh, no. Church, people were church. I had church executives in my class. Prayer secretaries of campus ministries. But you see, they'll tell you, hey, give on to Caesar. <laughs> I was sitting down, quiet, I crossed my legs. I had made up my mind. If we perish, we perish. If we fail, we fail. Then my TA came to me. The TA said, oh, Osofu, ah, everybody is, everybody is copying. I can help you. Where is your bag? I can go and bring the textbook out for you. Somebody will say, this is grace. Ha. You say that you have, you have, God has answered my prayer. I didn't have to call it forth. It came to me. This is favor. This is God's grace to pass the exams. I looked at, I looked at this young lady. And I was, I was the prayer secretary for Chemistry Christian Fellowship. The president was copying me. Prayer secretary, who are you? <laughs> but I looked at the lady and I said, young man, when you came to me, how did you address me? Yeah, or so I said, then why are you expecting me to cheat? If we perish, we perish. I had zero in the midterm. Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying it's like, uh, oh no, I had zero. I had zero. But when the end of semester came, I had an A, I had 73. Where God added a three, I don't know. But you see, I died, so God had to glorify. 
We are on a journey. My brother, we are talking about growth, discipleship. Today, I fast forwarded it. We have come to the end of the matter. The end of the matter is glory, glory, glory. The Bible says that it became of him who by all things were made that he might call many sons to glory. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 3, I think the verse 14. It says, he died that he might call many sons unto glory. He's calling you to glory. But he showed you, he says, ah, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. When you are dying, it's hard. It's hard. Your heart stops beating. You stop feeling. The things that were now exciting to you. See, one of the hardest things to do is to unlearn the taste of something, but you must unlearn it. How many of you have eaten rice before? When I mention fried rice today, the taste comes. Everything comes because you have learned the taste. And God is saying that you have to unlearn everything. When the baby is in the womb, he doesn't struggle for air. The mother breathes. It passes through the, the, the uh, placenta. That is where it gets its oxygen. It gets its food. But the moment it dies and comes into the world, it comes out, comes into the world. The diet must change. You no longer take it through your mother. Some of you, you were in the world. You see, I told you the definition of death is the cessation of all biological activities that support life. Some of you, you are alive in Christ, but you are still in the activities that supported the life of the Adamic nature. You need to, you need to consciously, this is what I used to do. I'm not going to do it again. These are my friends. In my life, I don't have a lot of friends. I don't have a lot of friends. I'm, when I got saved, I realized that my problem was friends. I don't advise it for everybody. Of late, the mobile phones are more expensive than they used to be back then. But when I took my mobile phone, I broke it into two. I used to use a flip phone, Motorola. I broke it into two. Because once I have my phone, my friends can call me. Maybe you, have not, you, have not, you don't have the grace to do those drastic things. You give the phone to your father, tell him to keep it. <laughs> I broke the phone into two. I, I, I cancelled all those people out of my life. It was hard. I was lonely. But I was dying to this world. It was painful. There are times you go to bed crying. Because there's nobody to talk to. You are struggling. But God has kept you in the secret places. You have to die. Sometimes that is how it will be for you. You are struggling in life. Things are hard. The guy has packed his bands. He says, one night, and I'll change your life. And you know he can change it. It's not that he's saying it, Kekeo. You know he can change it. Then you look at the struggling. The gari you are going to eat this evening. The gari you eat tomorrow. The gari you eat the next day. And by Friday, by Friday, if God doesn't come to you to be fasting, And you are looking at this hardness. You are looking at this struggle. You are looking at this pain. And I said, now God, I choose to die in your hands. I choose to die in your hands. I'm dying in your hands that I may live. I'm dying in your hands that I may live. When God picked David, see, God's, God's method has not changed. When God picked David to become king of Israel, when he anointed David, David was excited, but David didn't know it was a journey of death. For, the, for David was anointed at 17. He sat on the throne at 34 years. For, for over half his life, he was running away, dying to this flesh one after the other. It got to the time King Saul, his arch enemy who had pursued him all his life, came to David. 
Then his, his servant said, his, he was vulnerable, asleep. His servant said, God has delivered him in our hands. Let's kill him. David said, that, see, I died to these things long ago. So we, we don't have to ex- execute revenge for ourselves. I don't have to fight to put my... Some of you, you are here. You are in your department. Small, small quarrels. Small, small fights. Who will lead the song? Who will do this? You, are, uh, you want to be on top. You want to be seen as the spiritual papa. You want to be seen... Because you are alive. You are alive to the applause of men. David was dead. He says, let leave him be. God gave me the throne. God will put me on the throne. We don't fight for these things. Amen. Mm. Let me end with one of my favorite poems. It says, when God wants to, the title is When God Wants to Drill a Man. Up to now, we don't know the author. The author is anonymous. It says, when God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and scale a man. When God wants to mold a man to play the noblest parts. When he yearns with all his heart to create so, go, so great and bold a man that the world shall be amazed. Watch his methods. Watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects, whom he royally elects. How he hammers and hurts him, and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay, which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying, and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks, when his good he undertakes. How he uses whom he chooses, and with in which every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. When God wants to use you, he'll break you. When God wants to use you, he'll kill you. When God wants to glorify you, you must die. So the Bible tells us, for whom he foreknew, he predestined that they might be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Jesus is our firstborn. He's the firstborn. The womb that gave birth to Jesus is the grave. The Bible says he's the firstborn from the dead. And if he's going to be the firstborn of many brethren, his brothers must follow suit. They must be born from the same womb. And it's the womb of death. So moreover, whom he predestined, them also he called. Whom he called, he justified. And those that he justified, he glorified. God wants to glorify you. Your end shall be glorious. Your end shall be glorious. But first of all, you need to pick up your cross every day. You wake up in the morning, remind yourself in the mirror, I have not only been called to believe on his name, but to suffer for his sake. I've been called to deny the pleasures of this world. I've been called to deny the the nice things in this world. See, one of the things I want you to see, me, I've come to the conclusion, maybe I will not be successful. Maybe I will not be rich. It is not God's will that all of us will be rich. Let's get it straight. It is good to desire. It's good to desire. But if you die poor, at least you are alive to God when you die. See, this part of the message people don't like. You see the way the church is quiet. Because everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be successful. Bishop died. At a point, early in their marriage, he called his wife. He says, honey, I think we will die poor. Because when they gathered all their money, they couldn't afford one tin of corned beef to do jollof. One tin they couldn't afford. But this was a man dead. His wife went to work in the UK for one year. They gathered all the money. They put it in the church. He was dead to himself. He didn't buy shada. He, he put the money in church. That, that after all the money he put in church, he couldn't get money 
to afford corn beef so that they can make jollof. He told his wife, we will die poor, but God has glorified him. Me, I'm ready to, I've told my wife, me, I'm ready. She's, she's, she's developing grace, but I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to lose everything? Paul says, all the things that were gained to me, I count as loss. I count them as dang, dang. You see, he, he didn't want to use somewhere to be. So he says, I count them as dang. Do you know, cow dang. Uh-huh. So he didn't want to use the other word. He says, all the things that were gained to me. What was gained to him? Paul said, I, was, I am an Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, you people, you are, you are, you people, you are spiritual Jews. You were, you were born again into, into this election. Me, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am of the stock, the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the tribe from which the first king of Israel came. King Saul, he was a Benjamite. He says, I am from royal blood. I am a Benjamite. I was circumcised on the eighth day. When it comes to the things concerning the Hebrew law, I've passed everything. Paul was not, Paul had dual citizenship. Of little everybody is fighting for dual citizenship. Paul had dual citizenship. Not only was he a Jew, he was a Roman citizen. So when the Romans beat him and they found out that he was a Roman citizen, they became scared because you don't treat a Roman citizen anyhow. He says, concerning the law, I was a Pharisee, I had a PhD. This was Paul, I had a PhD. Before you can be qualified to become a Pharisee, you must know the first five books of Moses cover to cover in your head. When you see people today talking, you think that they, are, they call people working Bible, so this guy knows scripture. We are not on the level of Paul. No, he says he was a Pharisee. But he says, all these things that were gained to me, some people gain PhD, then when they come to church, they don't want to sit at the back. Bring me to the front. Do you know who I am? I am a big man. Do you know my father? Do you know this? Paul says, all these things, they were rubbish. We died to these things. The things that bring glory into you. see, when, when you die to these things, God knows that he can easily raise you up because it will not bring pride in your heart. At, at your small level, they made you peer leader of the choristers. Nah. You come there, you talk to the people anyhow. It's because you have not died to the things of this. Please, let's die, let's die, let's die. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's die. Let's die. Turn to another person and say, let's die. Let's die. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry this one is not nice like last week, but it's, it must be said. Uh, so we are dying. We are dying. Bible says when, when God wants to make so great and bold a man that all the world will be amazed, watch his method and watch his ways. He doesn't use the conventional method. He says with mighty blows he converts him. God will punch you into submission. He will mold you. But the end is glory. Somebody say the end is glory. Say, my end is glorious. I will be glorified. Christ will be formed in me. Amen. God bless you all.